1: presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: Hey, everyone. It's Josh here with this week's SYSK Selects. I've chosen Who Was America's First Murderer? It's a classic episode from 2011, and it has history, even more history, and at its heart, it's a true crime story. Uh, plus, it's just straight up interesting. And we did record this 10 years ago, so if some of the words or language that we use seems a little out of date, please forgive us. The world has changed tremendously in the last decade. I hope you enjoy this one as much as we do, because it's a great one.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
2: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and this is Stuff You Should Know. Episode 398. No, it's not. Well, I'm saying it is. Oh, okay. So now it's episode 398. Episode
0: three something. Three niner, eighter. <laughs> That's good, Josh. Is that your intro? mm mm-hmm. Rockin' and a-rollin', splishing and a-splashin'. Over the horizon, what could it be? Look like it's gonna be a new country. You don't remember that one?
2: No, what are you talking about? That was like I genuinely have no
0: idea what that you was mean. the uh the schoolhouse rock for uh the Mayflower voyage. Wow, really? Rockin' and a rollin' splishing and a splash you don't mm-hmm. remember that? Keep coming. Oh man. Over the horizon, what could it be? hmm. Look like it's going to be a free country. Nice. Or new country. Either way. It was both new and free. Pro- probably new. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Cause it was not free for everybody. That's true. Yeah. So uh, you're talking about this because we're going to talk about the first murderer, right?
0: Yeah. And before we start, I want to ask: Why has no one ever made a modern film about the Mayflower voyage? It seems like a no-brainer. You know?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Especially like, after haven't
0: gotten around to it yet. Like the awesomeness of Master and Commander. Did you ever see that? Uh, the one with... Um, Russell Crowe?
2: Yeah, it was very good. Oh, Surprisingly good. Yeah,
0: it surprised me too, actually. But I didn't get
2: the, the colon. It made it sound like it was a franchise, but it was like the first of the franchise. It wasn't like... Oh, I guess I guess Pirates of the Caribbean did have a colon, the first one,
0: didn't it? I don't know. Huh. But Master, uh, that was Peter Weir, Master and Commander, so it makes sense that it was awesome because he's such a great director. Mm-hmm. And related to Bob Weir, I, I think. Really?
2: I don't know. I don't think so. I've always suspected. <laughs> did he do uh, The Truman Show?
0: Uh, That was written by uh, the Bob guy Weir. who did Gattaca. I don't know who directed that. That that might have been Peter Weir. But he I, did I Gallipoli and uh, well, like uh, scores of great movies.
2: Well, cool. Well,
0: thank you for joining us at this discussion <laughs> of Peter Weir's films. He should direct the Mayflower movie is what I'm saying, for goodness sakes. Oh, okay. They need to do like a realistic... Because, you know, when you learn about it in school, at least I did, I thought, you know, you learn about it from Schoolhouse Rock and you get the picture. They just sang songs and Mm kind of rock and rolled over the ocean and then ran into Plymouth Rock and shared Thanksgiving with the Indians. And they need to make a real movie about how it really was.
2: Well, yeah, because, you know, that whole Schoolhouse Rock impression is pretty widely held even among adults, educated adults. Yeah and the reason why is because there's a very small amount of first hand information yeah, that left plymouth colony mm-hmm. right um and was allowed to stand there was a small group of people who were controlling all of the info about that place and they were trying to paint it in as good a light as possible because they were trying to attract investors yeah and these first hand accounts that you know basically painted the puritans as you know these hard scrapple people who were um <laughs> guided by a divine hand in the wilderness has stood yeah. all these centuries hard scrapple hard scrapple so let's talk about let's talk about the pilgrims the voyage right they landed in 1620 just as a uh, quick primer so says you um and it, 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 they were pilgrims they were puritans mm-hmm. separatists as they were uh, often called they were people who were so pious that no one in all of Europe was pious enough to contend with them and they were like I'm sick of all you sinners we're going to go found a new um a new republic in the in the name and for the glory of God and we're going to be really really good and we're going to do it in the new world yep and that that's what they did they sailed over to Massachusetts and landed in Plymouth
0: yeah as it turns out nice place to land i imagine and uh well, I mean, are we going to get to the murderer guy right away, or should we just ease into that?
2: Well, let's talk about who is there. It wasn't just Puritans. It wasn't just separatists. There was a whole other group of people who don't get talked about a lot, uh, and they were called the Strangers. Yeah, that sounded
0: really creepy when I read it. For some reason, I think it sounds cool. I think it sounds creepy.
2: Like cool. they <laughs> look like they should have been dressed in like like the pilgrim black, right? Like with wide brim hats so you can't see their eyes. Yeah, well, what was the the deal with them? Were they Catholic? They were anything but the separatists, okay. the Puritans. So they were Catholics, they were sailors, they were um, Africans, they were uh, whoever, kidnapped Indians. I don't know if all those people were on the Mayflower, <laughs> okay. but there, it was, there was a bunch of people, you know, right? And the who Puritans got them over there, who yeah. went with them.
0: And the Puritans were pretty rigid, obviously. They didn't like Catholics at all. They were indeed extremely
2: rigid. But to this degree, as we'll see... Um they 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 found that like no nobody's this rigid. And there were a lot of strangers who broke a lot of laws, but um there were a lot of Puritans who did too. Um and they just kind of glossed it over. They kept records, but these things just didn't get promoted,
0: right? Yeah, Mort's Relation. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Mort's Relation, written in sixteen twenty two by William Bradford, who was the clearly the governor, longtime governor of Plymouth. Right. Uh, his cousin George Morton wrote he was a separatist and he wrote this book or an account and that was that's sort of looked at as the account of Plymouth. But as it turns out, as you point out, because you wrote this, uh Mort's relation was written to attract funding right. for, for Plymouth. So
2: it was basically like a, a lengthy, in depth brochure. Yeah. To attract investors. And what are you going to say? You're not going to say we're starving to death over here. Right. We're having a really hard time. We're probably not going to make it. People are committing bestiality. Yes. Buggery is what they call that. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, and uh, they're, they're not going to say this. They're going to say, things are great. We're really, you know, living by God's will. We're really just making it over here. We need some more money.
0: Yeah. Yeah? You know? so That's the, what they did. So that means take,
2: take it with a grain of salt. They But they didn't just pretend like the strangers weren't there, but they painted some of the strangers in possibly a less than flattering light, right? Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, are we at the Billingtons then? Might as well be. The Billingtons, the family. Uh, John Billington, his wife, um, Eleanor, his sons, little John John Jr. Right. And uh, Francis, who was a boy, his other son, they were sort of painted as like reading your reading your article they sort of seem like on one hand like the first white trash <laughs> you know that's one way to put it and then they also sort of seem like no you know they might have been kind of cool and just rabble rousers
2: yeah or, or
0: yes I think that that's very accurate but they definitely weren't any friends of Bradford They he did not like these people
2: no he didn't he called um, he wrote in a letter to a Mr. Cushing I believe yes uh, that who had some sort of authority, I guess, in the over the colony in back in England, but he basically says that Billington still rails against you, and that he's a knave, which means a scoundrel, and he'll always be a knave. He'll live
0: and die as so. Yeah, and and as
2: so he'll live and die.
0: Yeah, that was Cushman, by the way. Thank you. Same thing. And uh, he also said he uh, quote he said they were one of the profanest families to come to the colony. And it wasn't just John. I mean, they didn't, he didn't like any of them.
2: (laughs) His kids were a a bit of a handful, too. Well, one of them, it doesn't say who in the records, but on the way over, um, decided that he was going to shoot off his father's musket. Yeah. Right? Gun. In a cabin, filled with people, which is bad enough. Right. But he did it right next to a open, half-filled keg of gunpowder. Right right so he almost just blew the whole mayflower up yeah and history
0: would have changed forever probably
2: so that was the first thing that happened with the billingtons and the rest of the people on the mayflower yes oh uh, no actually it wasn't there was part there was a mutiny oh, yeah, yeah. that john billington the father mm-hmm. was involved in um and he was uh he was let off the hook because it was his first offense but he uh he he that that started Tensions were already high, and then one of his sons, either Francis or John Jr., shot off the gun in the cabin. <laughs> so you start to get an impression of this family, especially when you look at, you know, when you think of them bristling, not just the average person's, you know, right, ire, yeah, yeah. but a Puritan's <laughs> ire, right? Yeah. Because they were, they you, you can screw up, like, innumerable ways in the eyes of a Puritan. Sure. Especially if you're not a Puritan.
0: That's right. And then once they got to the New World, uh, they continued their shenanigans. Uh, John Jr. kind of wandered off one day, 20 miles worth, mm-hmm. and wandered into a Native American village. Right. And uh, then he was taken to another village by those Native Americans. And eventually they sent out a group to go find him. It took him a little while. They set sail, actually, ended up on Cape Cod, what is now Cape Cod, yeah, and uh, said, you know, you're going to have to come back. Yes. Thank and they they found him because
2: of uh Massaswat, uh who is the great sachem of the Wapanoag Wapanoag. Yeah. Wapanawag. <laughs> uh, we're getting an email for that one. Yep. Um who uh was involved in the first Thanksgiving with ah. these same people. So he might have had something to do with that then, huh? Well he did. He was already like he, he basically was um trying to use the Englishman against his rivals, I think the Abenaki, um, to basically run them out rather than consolidate with the other Indians against the English. Gotcha. And basically that turned over the whole continent to Europe. Like uh-huh. that one act is largely considered as the the turning point. Well, how about that? So man? he was already pals with them.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so and he it, helped him find the boy. And if you're from Plymouth, if you live in the Plymouth area, then you might know uh, Billington C., which is a pond, mm-hmm. and that's named for John Junior.
2: Yeah, who actually. wandered off, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that he might have found that. I mean, you know, he discovered the pond, but he may have discovered it on his wander, right? His sojourn, yeah, if you will.
2: But they found him, and he was uh, quote behung with beads. So apparently, they you know kind of adopted him a little bit, like he was the mascot of the, the Village. American. Yeah, yeah. And then they gave him back. Yeah, and then the uh, I think the the colonists gave the Indians an, a couple of knives and said thanks and went back to Plymouth,
0: thanks for the beads and the guy,
2: but you have to imagine that mounting a ten man sailing expedition into Indian country um because your kid wandered off it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna rub the back of your neck and be like thanks uh, a lot you know again. Yeah. yeah, No, if you are a Billington oh well, you're like thanks for uh, getting my kid back you know can I do I owe you anything or you know
0: not so though because uh Billington uh had a bad reputation in that he scoffed at Captain Miles Standish, and you don't scoff at Standish.
2: Miles Standish proud.
0: Miles Standish was trying to get people to uh to you know serve in the military and Billington was like, No, dude, I ain't, I'm not doing that. Yeah. He was a part of anti government groups, government subversion. Well, there was in
2: sixteen twenty four there was call what was called the Oldham and Lieford conspiracy. That was the name of the two main conspirators. Uh-huh. He was named as a co conspirator. And reading his history, and then this, you know, the the actual history of this conspiracy, which is a lot of secret meetings about how they should overthrow this Puritan regime and start governing this colony the right way. Right. Um, he was probably a part of it, but he denied it and and was let off the hook again.
0: Well, and he he was also apologized for the um, for standing up against Standish. Mm-hmm. And they said they threatened him with hog tying, <laughs> which can actually kill you. I didn't realize that.
2: I could see that because all your weight's on your chest, right?
0: Well, it's, they tie your legs together. They tie your arms behind your back. Mm-hmm. And then they tie your ankles to your neck, around your neck. What? So unless you stay completely arched like that, you're going to start cutting off circulation. Like it's a form of torture. It's not just, oh, we're going to tie you up.
2: Well, the, that whole second step has been kind of lost to history, as, <laughs>
0: as I understand it. Well, now is it just tying the the hands in? Yeah, you, you, in you like, tie you
2: know? your, your hands and your an- your wrists and your ankles together behind your back, and yeah, you're arched, but I don't know anything about tying the ankles around the... That's horrible. Apparently the old
0: hog tie was a little more brutal. Yeah. Which makes total sense.
2: Which also makes sense why he's described as basically like pleading for mercy not to have that happen to him. And Which is why they let him go. Yeah, Miles Stamish is like, all right, but get out of my sight, Billington. or a hog tie yeah. And I mean, like, there's really, there's, there's, we can't forget, we can't leave out the fact that these people were original Plymouth colonists. Like, they were the first... He's on the charter, right? The first European, the first English European Americans, and the first what would become one of the first states mm-hmm. of America. Yeah, like these are important people, no matter what their reputations are. Yeah, he was the signer of the Mayflower Compact, which is the first um, European-based governing law. I guess you would call it set right. of laws. Um, and he was. Uh, he was. He helped Hugh the colony out of the wilderness. He was one of the colonists, right?
0: Yeah, and there's a PDF online I found that traces his family tree. And apparently, uh, James Garfield, the president, was a descendant of Billington. Oh, yeah? And it, it I mean, if you're, I wish I would have written down some of the last names. I know Witten was one of them. But, I mean, there were people that had said, like, still alive today. Oh, yeah. There is a,
2: apparently, I remember researching this. I couldn't find it when I re-researched for this podcast. But there's, like, a whole group of people who are into that kind of thing who are proudly ancestors of Billington, this rabble rouser, the first, like, real troublemaker in America.
0: Well, people are proud, period, just to be descendants of the the Plymouth colonists, for sure.
2: So, um, what you you? I hopefully everybody has like kind of an idea of how Billington and his family were regarded, right?
0: Well, his we didn't get to his wife and daughter. I know that was after what he oh, did. Oh, go ahead. But yes, his wife was uh, Eleanor was locked in uh, the stocks and whipped. Uh, at one point, she was also had to pay uh, fines of five pounds sterling because she was found guilty of slandering her neighbors, and his granddaughter <laughs> Dorcas. I love that name. There's only one way to pronounce that, right? Yeah. D-O-R-C-A-S. Dorcas. I'm going to bring that one back. Yeah. If I ever have a daughter, she's going to be Dorcas Bryant. Uh, Dorcas apparently was sentenced to whipping because she um, had sexual intercourse when she was 22 years old, and you didn't do that. So, um, yeah, the whole family was... Definitely not. They didn't fall in line with, with the rest of the crowd. Although that's that's not true because a lot of the rest of the crowd was doing even worse things, as it turns out. You just didn't read it in the brochure.
2: Right. So can we talk about some of the stuff that people were doing? Please. Okay. So remember, by 1690, there's still only 755 people in <laughs> yeah. Plymouth Colony. 775. Okay. So this this stuff's happening like... 20, 50 years before that, there way fewer people. Yeah. And yet there were incidents uh, where people like Thomas Granger, who is a servant, um, was indicted for buggery, which we established before it was bestiality, with a mare, a cow, two goats, diverse sheep, two calves, and a turkey.
0: Who he fell in love with.
2: He, uh, he was sentenced to, hang by, um, <laughs> or sentenced to die by hanging. Wow, uh, John Walker. The next year, <laughs> Turkey. He, yes, um, he uh, was. He laid with a bitch, as it's uh, put, and of course, we mean the the do- well. The Pilgrims meant the dog, the right. female dog. Sure. Um, another guy uh, was uh, sus- uh, was he was held on suspicion of buggery with a beast. Uh, another guy had buggery with a mare. And it just keeps going on and going on. So basically somebody would get caught sleeping with a dog and would be whipped, <laughs> put into the stocks, pilloried. Um, and it was just recorded but never talked about.
0: Yeah, there was also rape and sodomy against humans going on.
2: Yeah, the the way they put sodomy was that they were um, – these John Alexander and Thomas Roberts back in 1637 were caught um, – and they they got the hot irons, which wow is that's
0: rough. So you hear about this stuff, and you think Dorcas doing you know sleeping with a man, I presume, is a very normal thing for a twenty two year old middle aged woman to do, right? At the time,
2: yes. She's not she's not laying down with uh, turkeys, no. So Eleanor got put in the stocks for um, slander, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's no recording of what she said or. Basically, we've reached this point here where we should probably talk about what John Billington did.
0: Okay. Because now that we've debunked the fact that not everyone was super pure, and you can't necessarily read uh, Mort's relation and the brochure and say, you know, everything was just hunky dory over there. This maybe, actually, maybe this is why the movie hasn't been made. Right. Because who wants to see a guy sleeping with a turkey?
2: I don't know. I think you get your There's hands a market on those for that kind
0: of movies. You paid a lot for it, you know what I'm saying? There's a market for that, but it's not uh box office grossing uh record-breaking numbers. <laughs> Peter Weir wouldn't touch that one. Right? <laughs> not with the pole.
2: So, um we should probably talk about how Billington became America's first murderer. It took uh it took place what? 10 years after he got there. So, you have to think like this guy's an original settler, mm-hmm. and he's been farming and hewing a, an existence out for himself and other people. And as a um, uh, an original Mayflower compact signer, he got a, a bunch of land parceled to him. Like, this yeah, is the Parlington's
0: land now. So, But, well, he made an enemy, clearly one real enemy. He made quite a few, Bradford being one of them. But he made one enemy uh, named John Newcomen, who was a newcomer, mm-hmm. as it turns out, to Plymouth. Um, he hadn't been there for 10 years. And it seems like history is a little sketchy because... Like you said, it's not all like recorded uh, at that point. But uh, one thing I read was it—it was possibly over hunting rights, and I don't know how true that is.
2: It is very true. Oh, it so, is. Yeah, there, there's. I, I when I was going back and um, reading the uh, the source material for this, uh-huh. I'm like, why did I? Why was I so vague when I wrote this article? Oh, because it did
0: that confirm. Uh, did it confirm that?
2: Yeah, well, so in the Bradford's version, basically, is like this he way that Billington waylaid Newcomen, which right?
0: we should explain what waylaid is.
2: Waylaid is like basically lying in wait and then murdering.
0: Yeah, like hiding in the bush and it's then jumping ambushing out and somebody, killing somebody. premeditated.
2: It premeditated. It's yeah. huge. If you read a stranger's account, there's an account by a stranger. And I don't know who. Um, it's not in this, not in the source I cited, but. Um, it it talks about how Newcomen was already known to Billington because she, he um, he used to steal from Billington's traps. Uh, he poached on his land. Okay. And um, Billington had chased the kid off a bunch of times. Newcomen was 17 at the time.
0: Gotcha. So he was a little jerk.
2: Basically. And he was what the strangers called a saint, which meant you were in good with Bradford because you were a Puritan. And, and compared to a stranger, you had exponentially more rights, and you got away with exponentially more stuff. Gotcha. Okay? So here's Billington, who already has a bad reputation, and there's some little 17-year-old punk kid stealing from his traps who he's chased off time and time and time again, and um, he catches him there. So he goes after him with his gun, and the kid goes and hides behind a tree, and uh, Billington shoots at the tree. I, I don't know if he meant to shoot at the kid, apparently he was a pretty good marksman, but he hit the kid in the shoulder. Right. Not exactly a lethal shot today. Sure. Well, the kid died in like three days of an infection.
0: Uh-huh. That's
2: how the America's First Murder took place. And it was apparently with a blunderbuss. Have you ever heard of these guns? Uh, is that the one with the big... Yeah, it's Muzzled? sort of... It's, like you see Elmer Fudd is a pilgrim hunting with?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's not like an elephant gun, but it, it does flare out at the end, and it's sort of like um, what would be considered today, it's sort of like a sawed-off shotgun. So, like, it was a musket, but it was short and flared, and so I imagine it it had a, a wider uh, spray, even though it wasn't... Well, it wouldn't be a spray, because they didn't use pellets, but they, they compared it to a sawed-off shotgun, in right. what I read. hand on the pump. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Singt> Alright, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. So um, that's how the first murder took place. I get the impression Billington, who is also um, described as uh, um, beloved by many in another account by a stranger, kind of a satirical take on Plymouth Colony. Yeah, Thomas Morton in the New English Canaan mm-hmm. said that he was a beloved dude. He was beloved by many. Basically, if you were a stranger, you
0: probably like Billington. He sounded like... Kind of a fun guy, to be honest. Right, I know he's the first murderer, but yeah. he's a rabble rouser. I, yes. c- I tend to associate with those types.
2: Well, Billington thinks that because of the um, the fact that they need people there still, yeah, each individual is very important, um, and that this kid had been really it was the kid's fault that he was on his property. Billington had warned him off, warned him off that he would he would be spared his life. Well, no. Governor Bradford himself was the one who ordered him to death. Yeah, he didn't like him to begin
0: with. Right. So, now he had his chance.
2: Right. So this is um, what you could call unfair to an, a certain extent. Perhaps. And not only did Bradford sentence his longtime enemy or somebody he disdained for many years to death, he was also the one who literally wrote the history in addition to, uh, what is it, Mort's what?
0: Mort's uh, retort. <laughs> Uh, Not Mort's Retort, I was kidding. Mort's Mort's Relation.
2: Okay. So in addition to Mort's Relation, the other probably largest cited um, firsthand account of Plymouth Plantation is called Of Plymouth Plantation. It's Bradford's own journal. Uh. So he literally wrote the history for Plymouth. And, of course, he's going to paint it in his – he's going to paint himself and his fellows in the best light. And And, that's what we go on.
0: And Billington in a poor light because he sentenced him to hang.
2: Yeah. So I think if anything, this um, was the episode intended to tell you to always take historical accounts of the grain of salt. Especially the old ones. There's always two sides to every story. (laughs) And the Three Stooges actually get better as you age. Stuff you should know. Yeah. You got anything else? Nope. If you want to learn more about America's First Murderer, type America's First Murderer. America. I'm having trouble (laughs) saying that these days. Uh, You can type that in the handy. You can type wherever you want, but you're going to get the best result if you type it in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Sure. Uh, And that, of course, brings up listener mail.
0: Yes, Josh. uh, I'm going to call this uh, nicotine poisoning from Aaron. Uh, A couple of years ago, guys, I came home from university to find my Kiwi roommate working away in the kitchen. He decided to bake brownies for the first time, and I hurried upstairs to try some because he wanted to support his friend. Okay. Uh, quickly, I was overwhelmed by a sour taste, which was only mildly canceled out by the cherries, which were mixed in with the batter. I was very close to spitting it out when my roommate walked in and said, what do you think? I didn't want to insult him, so I popped the rest of it in my mouth and said, uh, I could use a little more sugar. I left the room, and that's when everything got hazy. Uh, what I do remember is my roommate's <laughs> bursting into my room, This is crazy. They found me curled up into a ball with my head between my knees, rocking slowly. I was covered in sweat and muttering to myself, letting out loud moans, which is apparently what alerted my roommates. When they uh, opened the door, they flooded the room with light, caused intense pain in my head and uh, for some reason in my stomach. Not really thinking, I bolted to the bathroom and induced vomiting, uh, trying to get all the evil out of me. I was exhausted laying on the floor. Trying to figure out what was wrong. Apparently, there were two boxes on the table. Did you read this one? No. One containing brownies, and one with shisha tobacco destined for the hookah. Oh wow, that That's they kept in their house not bar. Not good. Uh, in my haste, I accidentally consumed about three ounces of cherry tobacco mix that was destined for the hookah. Not sure exactly how much nicotine my body absorbed in the hour or so it was in me. But when I stood up, I promptly passed out, and according to my roommate, started convulsing on the floor. They wanted to take me to the hospital, of course, but I refused, uh, being the bull-headed Midwesterner I sometimes can be, or the college student, who mm-hmm. doesn't want to pay for that kind of thing. Right. Uh, when I did go uh, to the hospital the next morning, explain the situation to the ER tech, they immediately took my vitals and said I was lucky, lucky to have survived without any serious complications. Uh, that it very well could have been a fatal dose. Yeah, I'll bet. And all I can say is, uh, if you're ever in the same situation, err on the side of caution, call Poison Control right away. Yep. And he's lucky that his roommates, uh, one of them had EMT training, because it could have gone the other way, and Aaron might not be a fan of our podcast today. Man. He ate and tobacco popped it in his mouth and said it needs a little more sugar (laughs) wow Aaron I'm glad you made it
2: um if you had a yeah I'm very glad he's around yeah so okay and if you are a member of the Billington clan by blood somehow or marriage whatever we want to hear from you send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from Heart radio visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.